You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, welcome to our podcast. It's Bustin' Balls. I'm Pat Caputo along with the webmaster, Evan Jenkins. Hey, you notice we got some real nice-looking sets here? Hey, you've seen this one before, but look at Evan, man. He's got some fat heads or something there. And uh, didn't know you were a CMU fan, buddy. Yeah, either did I, Pat, but uh, Jim Costa, who records one of his podcasts, Cash the Ticket in here, is a CMU alum. So we, we so, uh, uh, I, guess, I guess we're yep, big just, CMU fans. Yeah, we represent here. Yeah, but uh, I wanted to get into Lions. There's a lot of hype after hard knocks, and everybody's looking at their upcoming season. And as I wrote on our website today, Evan, I think they're a six-win team. And uh, our podcast here is about drafts, prospects, and the future. And the prospects for the Lions, I, I don't see where they're going to have that much of a significant impact that all of a sudden the Lions are going to go from a, a three-win team to a nine-win team, and everybody's going to be, like, super happy and thinking it's great. And I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. First of all, let's start with the rookies. Aiden Hutchinson's been pretty much what advertised, right? And he and Charles Harris will give him an outside pass rush. I don't know about Malcolm Rodriguez, the whole Rodrigo thing. Uh, obviously, he's a fan favorite. Uh, his jerseys are selling like hotcakes, according to Rod Wood on Hard Knocks. And uh, that's cool. But uh, I'm not so sure he's going to step in the lineup and all of a sudden start playing like the uh, – second coming of Sam Mills or something. I think oh, he's a, a good football player, a special teams guy. We talked about him earlier. Uh, he really flashed when he played for Oklahoma State. If you watch them, uh, Oklahoma State, his name was mentioned a lot. He made plays. And he's very athletic, but he's a little undersized. And the real deal mean things. But the Lions aren't going to get that much of a significant impact from this draft. Uh, Paschal and Jamison Williams, they may very well turn out to be great draft picks. Uh, but they're not playing, all right? And from last year, uh, they got a couple players. Maybe Alan McNeil takes a step forward, and uh, you get a bounce back from Okuda from the Bob Quinn era. Uh, but the reality is is that Uzarike and Emofuanu, uh, the, the latter who they got in the pick from Syracuse for the Matthew Stafford third-round pick, uh, they're not going to be playing. So there's a limited amount of younger players that at this point are going to have a significant impact on the Lions uh, to make them great. Yeah, and what I wanted to ask was about Malcolm Rodriguez because, you know, all the hype is there. And it might be from hard knocks. It might be from the coaches. It might be from the media. But my question is, you know this probably better than a lot, but that jump from college to the NFL especially as a six-round guy, because, I mean, every team passed on him five times. I mean, the Lions passed on him five times. But to then transition right away into a starting linebacker in the NFL, that's a that's a tough job to pick up right off the rip, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And uh, I have my doubts about that. The odds are against it. But I will say this, really good organizations have really good players that come from the later rounds. 
Sure. Uh, they identify them and they get those pleasant surprises. And this is a new group in here. Now, we're not used to that in this town. The Lions have got nothing out of their late-round picks. They traditionally have not had undrafted free agents that end up playing for them, like these other top organizations do on a relatively consistent basis. And in a way, uh, Rodrigo, I like to call him Rodrigo, uh, <laughs> is somebody that uh, is uh, perhaps a test case on this. Uh, maybe they get some guys. Now, like Amara St. Brown, that was very unusual for the Lions to hit on a fourth-round pick. That just isn't in their DNA. Uh, they did that with Amara St. Brown last year. It's possible they could be doing it with Malcolm Rodriguez. The thing is, you can't tell from training camp. You can't tell from preseason. Only that he's passed those first two tests. But once uh, it gets real and those big uh, guards are starting to engulf him, uh, can he fit his body in there? You know, the comparable that I look at him as is a player that the uh, Lions had a f- uh, many years ago, 20 years ago now, uh, was Stephen Boyd. Uh, he was taking a similar spot in the draft, similar size, a different type of personality, uh, not quite that, uh, you know, he looks like a you know real strong dude. He, Stephen Boyd would walk into the airport and people wouldn't even know he was a football player. Uh, but he had that innate ability to fit his body into space and make plays. And he had speed and uh, and was a better athlete than what people thought. And Rodriguez kind of fits into that category, perhaps. Yeah, I I also just you mentioned Aiden Hutchinson, and this isn't just being a hater in me. I'm just curious because I saw it three separate times in this preseason. But getting chip blocked by a tight end or somebody else coming off the edge. Is that kind of stuff going to happen more or less coming to the regular season? Because I know. The first time it happened, Dan Campbell said, I would be surprised to see that happen one or once or twice more the rest of his entire career. And then if you watch the Steelers game, you know, Cam Hayward or uh, Connor Hayward got a chip lock on him and, and made him lose his feet. And I don't know if that's not being aware because in college teams don't necessarily do that. Or is that a learning curve? What do you expect from Aiden Hutchinson? Because a lot of hopes from I see like even the national pundits is that he's going to be the defensive rookie of the year. Well, I mean, I, I don't know about that. Uh, that I don't know. Uh, I do expect him to be a productive, good player and develop a curve there. He's going to be good. Uh, Chip, if you see, remember when Sue played for the Lions? Yeah. And uh, you'd hear ridiculous things like, oh, he's helping the outside guys, like Cliff Averill get sacks and all this. Uh, nothing could be more ridiculous than that. Guards don't kick out on guys like Aiden Hutchinson, especially when they spread them wide, and especially when they were using that wide nine. What they do is they use tight ends to chip in. That's where Charles Harris is important. You can't put every tight end to chip a guy. So if you got two bookends like that that can rush the passer, you got a good defensive coordinator who understands this, and I'm sure Aaron Glenn does, uh, you got to pick your poison there. So that's kind of the situation that the Lions have. That's where their defense should be most improved is that they have a couple guys who are first-round picks uh, who are explosive athletes coming off the edge, and that could help the the rest of their defense with a domino effect. But chipping outside edge rushers is what you do to control them, period. And he has to adjust to it, and but it'll throw him off. It'll do a lot of things. But the good part about it is it keeps the tight ends out of patterns. They're, because the first thing they have to do is hit somebody. 
well, and you know as well as I do, if there's one position the Lions have had trouble defending over the last few years, it's tight ends. Yeah, so it's a, there's a lot of different layers to it and, and different effects that it can happen. Cool. I'm, I'm glad that I asked you that question because I didn't want to seem negative because I see this kid. He's lining up on the outside. They have him inside, and, and that's great. And the kid has a motor like I haven't really seen before. I remember uh, we talked about this geez, three games into Michigan season last year. And I had told you that uh, John Jansen told me that he had the drive of Chase Winovich and the talent of Rashawn Gary. And I'm like, get out of here. But lo and behold, he really, you know, uh, you know John, he loves his uh, Wolverines and all that, but I, I, I don't disagree with that assessment. Neither do I. I think he's the second best uh, defensive player that I've ever seen for Michigan uh, behind Charles Woodson. Uh, I, you know, so I'm expecting him to have success in the pros, but there'll be adjustments. And uh, like I said, uh, you can gang up on a guy. You can take him right out of the game. Uh, double teams. You've seen that a few times in the snaps he took in the preseason. He can't get yeah. away from, you know, two big guys on him and line, you know. Uh, but the key for Hutchinson's success is Harris and Harris, his success is the key is Hutchinson. I like it. I mean, that that's something to really look forward to with the Lions this year. Yeah, they could improve their defense overall because for all the problems they have, and they still got a lot on defense, if you're really truthful about it, uh, and uh, I try to be, and uh, in this town it's very difficult right now because uh, you know, there's so much optimism about them. But the reality is uh, that's one area that they were really bad at last year, and this year they could be much improved. The outside rush. It's different on the inside, I think. McNeil should be improved, but then I don't see a lot of depth inside. And McNeil is a pretty good inside rusher. That's what he did best was a pass rush last year. Sure. Now, what about um, just the fact that you, you had mentioned like a guy like Jamison Williams. If, if Pat Caputo is the GM and the coach of the Lions, do you hold that guy out as long? Like, no need to rush him back, right? Right. I agree with you a thousand percent. Um, you want him a hundred percent plus. You want him to have some reps in practice. Uh, you don't want to throw him out there for no reason. Uh, the kid is obviously going to be uh, chomping at the bit to get out there. Uh, but the good thing about those picks, and I don't know, with Paschal, it could be the same thing. I'm not expecting the Lions to be really good this year. I pick them to win six, seven games, something like that. But in the future, those guys could really pay off for them. It really could. But their impact this year is going to be minimal. Uh, and you kind of knew that with Williams when you took him. So that's part of it. And it wasn't a bad strategy that way. I didn't like them giving up draft resources like they did. I think that's been under uh, understated by many fans. Oh, they didn't really give up anything but one pick. Uh, they moved down to 45 in the second round, and there are a lot of players between uh, 34 and uh, 45 uh, there. So uh, to me, uh, it's a circumstance, or 32 and 30, 45. Uh, not just giving up a third round pick. And uh, so to me, uh, it's something that uh, is, is going to be determined about what they do in the future, though. Uh, the, the organization can't get ahead of itself. Evan, you know, look, they, they signed two guys in free agents. They're going to start a safety and a, and a wide receiver. They didn't spend a lot of money, which they shouldn't have. Right. Uh, when they drafted, they drafted with a long term plan upside. Instead of, oh, gee, we're going to try to draft for this year and have a, 
you know, a year. But they need to win more games. Uh, you know, they can't have another year like they had uh, last year and, and not have it hinder their progress. But they're, they're not remotely ready uh, to be a contender personnel-wise. That's just the reality of it. And uh, so that's where uh, what they do with Williams is important. Make sure that he can play next year, all right? And he's 100% next year. And that the experience he gets, you know, being around the team and being around the NFL benefits him next year. And I know this is a town that hates the term next year right now, uh, but next year is a very uh, key part of what the Lions are doing because that's when they should be making the progress. You can't go from zero to 100 miles an hour. And uh, right now they're still very much in the beginning stages of a process. And uh, I know people are tired of hearing about this, but the reality is, Uh, These guys, I'm talking about Dan Campbell and uh, uh, Brad Holmes, they inherited a mess. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, it's going to be like one of those things where it's like three wins, six wins, ten wins, maybe contend. That's the track you want to get on, kind of like when they drafted Stafford after the 0-16 season. Now, they got to that point, and then they weren't able to get over the top. Uh, But, you know, the worst thing that can happen to them is if they win a few more games than is expected and then start doing – Oh, give Jared Goff a five-year extension. He's our quarterback forever and start signing uh, free agents. Uh, that's where you start to lose the process. I mean, Bob Quinn did it. You know, yeah. he was 9-4 and four his first year uh, to start out. Then they lost uh, the rest of their games, the playoff game. And he goes out and he – look, T.J. Lang's an outstanding player. And he played well for the Lions, but he, he had trouble staying on the field. And Rick Wagner, he was a good player. But they gave up two younger players for the same cost that went to uh, Minnesota and Riley Reef and in Larry Warford, who uh, made three Pro Bowls. And uh, that would have been a better thing to keep on the same uh, group and not, you know, react to that. And those were wildly popular signings because T.J. Lang's very popular and great player. But it was at the end of his career. So and Wagner was fine. Rick Rick Wagner is a good player. It's just he wasn't a better player than Riley Reef. If anything, Riley Reef was better than him. And was he worth being the highest paid right tackle in football? Probably not. And then also, you you know, the money they spent on the defensive side. I don't know why his name is slipping me right now, but the DN that they signed that they ended up Trey you know, Flowers. Yeah, and they well, that's that was a little bit later after they you know, were in a spot where they failed, and then right. they tried to you know regroup for an extra year. And that extra year where they kept Patricia and uh, Quinn in place, uh, you know, cost them a year kicking the can down the road uh, to getting to be a contender. But I like all the excitement about the Lions. I'm not trying to rain on anybody's parade. No, not at all. But you still have to be a realist when you look at it. You can't expect this team that was – you're right. They were literally stripped down to the bare bones and they're trying to put it back together. That yes, I I do believe Dan Campbell is the right guy to motivate the players. It seems, I mean, just from watching Hard Knocks, and granted, you, they can pick and choose what's on that show, but every last player respects the hell out of them. When you saw the players getting cut, and they're like, "I can't thank you enough," and I see what you're doing here, like that's promising stuff. I don't know if we ever would have seen that out of Matt Patricia. You probably would have saw it with Jim Caldwell. But at the end of the day, if you can't coach between those lines on Sunday, it doesn't really matter, right? Yeah, well, that's the bottom line. I think Dan Campbell did a very good job last year weathering the storm. Yeah. I think Jared Goff did a very good job last year weathering the storm. 
and uh, putting the, the team back in a, a semblance of a direction, bouncing back off the bottom, so to speak. But that's all they did was weather one storm. And, you know, Sunday they play against Philadelphia, and that game has got all this attention and everything. If they lose a the game, people will be overreacting to it, and they'll get the SOL crowd out. And it won't really mean anything in the bigger picture trying to build this something that, hey, you're a legitimate contender instead of, uh, no franchise that's been to nine wild card games and lost every one of them. All yeah. right. And if you win a wild card game, that isn't winning anything. That means you got a low bar if you get too excited about that. Well, Unless it's building to a bigger, it, the, the means to an end is what they need to get to. And if they win the game, conversely, you know what it's going to be like, Evan. Oh, uh, my God. People will be overreacting. Eagles are a bad matchup for them, real bad matchup. Well, especially you know? with a couple of the offensive linemen already going down, you know. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I, I think too much is being made of that, uh, to be honest with you. Most fans, you know, wanted to run Vitae out of town. Now he's hurt. And it's like same old Lions, you know. And uh, most fans had no idea who Tommy Kramer is. So sure. good, good team. And they got a lot of depth and talent on their offensive line. That's their best position. You know, I'd, I'd like to see Stenberg get a chance and see what he can do. Uh, but they got other moves that they can make. And while we're doing this, we haven't made that decision yet. But I don't think it's, you know, that it's not like they lost Decker or they lost Panay or Ragnar, who's arguably their best player. Uh, so uh, that's just something that uh, I think is being overblown. But Philly's good on both sides of the ball up front. And they got weapons in this, you know, who can stretch the field and Devonta Smith. And they signed A.J. Brown. And Miles Sanders is going to play. He's been hurt in the preseason, and he gashed them last year. Uh, so it's a bad matchup for the Lions. But if they win the game, it doesn't mean they've arrived. All right? So there's going to be this emotional mood swing after the first game regardless. I'm anticipating that. Uh, it's understandable, Evan, why Lions fans are so fickle. I mean, it's not their fault. I mean, the, the franchise. How many times are we together when you were down there reporting on it uh, sat in that little room watching them blow a game away. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. And it was as if you and I could say exactly what was going to happen, and it would Before happen. It happened. Yeah, we, yeah. I mean, no, and we weren't trying to be facetious or sarcastic. That's part of it, you know. Can they win some games like that? You know, last year there was a good sign when they beat Minnesota like that, I thought. Sure. Uh, so, and Amara St. Brown made that play. It was a beautiful pass by Goff. And I, I expect the Lions to be improved. And the younger players will play their part in it. But uh, I'm not expecting them to uh, you know, be some kind of a contender. And most of the teams in their schedule are looking at them as a, a team they want to play. Sure. So, But that's how I look at that. And also, you know, we look at the, the draft for this uh, coming year, 2023. And uh, the first week of the college football season, and, and of course, week zero, Evan. Uh, has been played. And I, I just want to point out something. Uh, Lions, of course, the quarterback thing, right? We've talked about that at nauseum. What happened the first week? All right. Well, the first week is that uh, Anthony Richardson from Florida, who we've mentioned on this podcast uh, quite a bit, uh, had a big game against Utah. And uh, that game was watched by a lot of people. And all of a sudden, Evan, hey, Anthony Richardson, potential Lions pick. And that's very true. Uh, like we talked about, an exceptional. Uh, player now he he most of his spectacular work was running yeah and uh, he's he's huge you know he's got a, a build like a well he's not as tall as Josh Allen and uh, but he's kind of in Cam Newton type of size 
And he runs like those guys, you know, where he gets out in the open field and he can do things. He's got to tighten up his passing. Uh, right now, he's not there as a passer, but the potential's there. The arm strength, all those things uh, definitely moved up and it helped his uh, chances. Like all these people on Twitter who saw him play, I agree with them. Uh, I've agreed before it went into that game that he is uh, potentially a special prospect. And he could surplant Young or Stroud or both. Now, Young is going to, you're going to start hearing about how he's short. You know, he's not tall. You're going to hear a lot about that this year. That's going to be the knock on him. Uh, Stroud, he, he was just okay in that game. He wasn't bad. He wasn't good. Uh, that was a tough game, though. He was up against better competition. And this week, if you're looking at the quarterback situation, USC is playing Stanford. And you're going to hear a lot about this guy, Tanner McKee, uh, from Stanford. Now, he was the third-rated quarterback by Pro Football Focus after week one uh, for his performance against Colgate, all right? But now it's USC, and it's on national television. So a lot of people are going to be watching this. And if he has a big game, all of a sudden you're going to hear his name. Now, he's a little older. Uh, he went on a Mormon mission, and uh, he's come back last year on a bad team. He was really good, and he was really good in that first game. He's got the uh, MO that you want uh, exactly from a pro quarterback, except he's not like this super-duper athlete, uh, like somebody like Anthony Richardson or some of the other quarterbacks that have come mentioned Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and some of these other guys who can really, really take off and run when they have to. Uh, so to me, uh, that's going to be something to watch this week because that's a name you might hear. Like when we mentioned Anthony Richardson, and I mentioned McKee in those conversations, and he had the best first week. A lot of the quarterbacks, Levis and uh, some of the others, they really didn't do well. Bryce Young, you know, I mean, they weren't. They Bryce didn't Young played great, but, I mean, it was Utah State, so it's like how much do you really take out of that? That's, when? you know, exactly what it is. Uh, I think exactly they their first nine times they touched the ball, Bama didn't. Seven of them were touchdowns. But. Right, right. And uh, so, you know, from that standpoint, though, uh, the quarterbacks that the potential draft picks who moved up their stock, those other guys didn't move down, all right, no. based on what they did in their first week. But uh, based on the first week, the quarterbacks that took a step up, obviously Anthony Richardson, who we talked about, and Tanner McKee from Stanford, who's got a pivotal game here. You know, he's up against Caleb Williams. He's up against USC. And uh, that's going to be a big game on, on Saturday night. So for for what we do here, uh, talking about draft prospects in the future. Absolutely. Was there anybody else that, like, kind of stuck out to you this week? Or or was it – it's so hard in that first week because you really only see, what, four games that were, like, straight-up legit games. And even in the first week – you still got to take it with a grain of salt. Well, I thought Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia, was really good. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. How that, those tight ends they had. Like, Georgia just came back. And yeah, they got good. another tight end as a first-round pick. And, uh, you know, then the other kid, Bauer. And uh, the, But uh, that defensive tackle, Carter, I thought he was really good. And uh, they're good. They're a really good team. And those, those players are going to get a lot of attention. And it stood out. Oregon's not a bad team. Uh, also, Noah Sewell. Uh, Penny Sewell's brother, uh, his stock might have taken a drop down simply because they gave up so many points, but he's a really good player. And Jack Campbell, who I've mentioned uh, a lot, and they played 
you know, a game that they were fortunate to win. Who wins a game seven to three on two safeties and a field goal? Right? Isn't that crazy? I mean, it is. It is. you could play football for another 50 years and not see that. Yeah. So that was a crazy game, but uh, he made some plays. Now, he is very athletic. He's an inside backer. And uh, in that game, he really stood out. His athleticism uh, that goes around along with his, hey, you know what? This guy can he can play inside. And uh, so uh, he's a guy that should be on the Lions radar when it comes down to it uh, from the first week. And, of course, there's a guy from Michigan State, Mr. Sack. Well, okay, so I was going to ask about Wyndham, the, the transfer from UNLV. He had four sacks. I, I sit there and watch, and I'm like, he's just ducking under these tackles because he's so much smaller and, and he has finesse. And then it was brought up to me about how similar – I'm not saying he is this guy, but how similar – of a pass rush style as like Von Miller has. And then you think about it, his coach that Brandon Jordan was also Von Miller's coach outside of like his team coach. And is that a kid that could maybe jump up in the draft rankings? You Without know, question. Okay. I don't know how he's going to test and he's not that big. No, right? he's always no, but Pat, he has some of the biggest arms and hands. Right. Right, he's he's a strong, athletic guy. Weighs two twenty five, two thirty. Yeah, and uh, was a two star recruit out of high school, uh, who landed in uh, UNLV. But the thing at UNLV was a uh, bad team for the most part. Very good player on a bad team. Right, and uh, looking into it, uh, he, he's somebody that everybody wanted him. He was recruited uh, in the transfer portal by pretty much everybody. And uh, when he came into Michigan, Penn State wanted him desperately. And when he came into Michigan State, uh, he stayed. So Mel Tucker did a pretty good job of recruiting him. And uh, I think that there's a possibility. It's not based on one game. There's a possibility it could be the real deal, uh, that it's not a fake thing. That was impressive. But, again, right. it was just Western Michigan first game. And that's what I was going to say. They aren't exactly known for their tackles. You know, it's not like, you know, at least like Central, you can talk about how they put multiple guys into the NFL. That yeah, and his, his pass rush grade and pro football focus wasn't just about sacks. I mean, they look at everything, and he was in the top five. Okay. For pass rush, you know, the rest of his game. And, and the other thing about him, he's been pretty versatile. He did play inside backer at UNLV, so. And yeah, played well. Them to DN, they said two weeks ago. I mean, I don't know how believable it was actually two weeks or no, they, they outside there. So, you know, he, he's had sacks before. He had six sacks last year, five when his first year that he really played a lot, three when he got minimal playing time there. Yeah. So he's been around and been productive. Not like that, but he's. But it also really goes. Good. Like, fine for Mel Tucker. He's yeah, great. Yeah, it goes to what you were talking about earlier with Aiden Hutchinson is, you know, team scheme against you too. When you're the best player on a bad team, they're going to eliminate you right off the rip. Yeah. But the bad sign for Michigan state is their cornerback plays terrible. <laughs> we don't yeah. have to get into that today, Pat. Yeah, I want to end it on a good night, but uh, is there anybody else that maybe we should look for this weekend that, that maybe we haven't mentioned, or is, is it just, you know, Let's put our focus on the Lions. Let's see what they give us. Because at the end of the day, Pat, we still don't know what they're going to be, right? We all have our, our our initial thoughts on what they could be, but we really won't know until that football's kicked off on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and even after that game, Evan, we're not going to know. Sure. Uh, we'll have a better idea. And uh, the preferred uh, way is to win. 
And uh, preferred way is to see a player like Ayla McNeil. He's a very important player on that team. I agree. They need a nose. They need somebody who's tough in there uh, and plays a lot of snaps. Has some durability. Uh, doesn't have to be rotated out all the time sucking wind. All right, so he's important. I think it's important what we see from Derek Barnes and or Malcolm Rodriguez uh, for their potential. Okuda, you got to watch him. You know, is he the real deal? Uh, I think it's very important uh, what you see from a warrior uh, because six interceptions is really hard to get in the league. Oh, yeah. Uh, was that a fluke? Uh, because the rest of his play didn't seem to match up with the total of interceptions. And uh, so that, those are the players uh, that are important. And I think uh, as well, uh, what, uh, you know, Amar Ross St. Brown to me could be a special player. That, I don't think that was a fluke, uh, but now it's time to, you know, to step it up again and see whether he can do it. And uh, there's not a, a drop off that there's the expected uh, step up there. And I think the other one is a player from the Quinn era, uh, DeAndre Swift. How good is he really? Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to see him only based off of hard knocks, how they went in that first and they were hard on him and they were like, we're going to try to get the dog out of him, yada, yada, yada. Then we never saw him again the rest of the season. The the, the last player I want to ask you about, Pat, and, and it is really going to pertain to this future, is TJ Hawkinson going into his fourth year. You know, he got his fifth year option picked right. up. But this is a guy that's going to, He's going to be demanded to pay as one of the top tight ends in the entire NFL. How big of a year is this for him and the Lions? Like, well, just- it's huge. First of all, he's got to stay healthy. Yep. You know, and uh, you know, it, ideally, play all seventeen games and be productive throughout the course of that. Uh, because he's a taller guy and he catches the ball in space, and he, they just chop him down. At least to a certain amount of injuries. Uh, that's been part of his issue. And the other thing is, he's got to block better. So he's either got to separate himself into an area of him where he's one of these super-duper receiver tight ends, you know, like 80 catches and uh, pushing a 1,000 yards. Or he's got to be a very productive receiver but uh, step up his blocking. Uh, Because if there's something that he hasn't lived up to uh, when it comes down to performance, when he's actually out on the field from what the reputation was when, they drafted him. Remember the uh, famous video of him pancaking that dude from Indiana over and over again? Yeah. These dudes aren't like in the NFL, like that dude from Indiana. And uh, so uh, his blocking has to get better. They need to – they're tight ends if they're going to play the way they want to play, uh, which is uh, possession. Run to set up the pass like they did last year when Dan Campbell started to call the plays, tighten the formations a little bit. Uh, their tight ends are going to have to block well. It's not just uh, their interior linemen. Sure. Well, I think we got a good uh, grasp on what to watch in week one. And, I mean, we're going to be doing this all season long, right, Pat? Yeah, well, we're talking about that. And and a reminder, you know, it's called Busting Balls, right? And uh, you can check us out, uh, odyssey.com, download us, uh, like us. Uh, This can be up on YouTube and all that stuff. Uh, Check that out. where you get your podcast, you know, iTunes, uh, yeah, Apple, Apple for sure. That's, that's the biggest one. I think it's like 70% of our audience gets their podcast from Apple. So yeah. wherever you get your podcast, we're available and, and download rate, subscribe, let us know what you think. If, if you don't like something, let us know. Yeah. You know, I would, I would love the feedback know. on it. Of course you can go to the Twitter accounts. Evan's the king of the KC and, um, Pat Caputo 98 and the 97 won the ticket 
uh, Twitter page and yep. our Facebook pages and the Twitter pages or our the 97 won the ticket uh, Facebook page as well. So check us out, do it. And we talk about all the sports. Obviously, focus a lot on the NFL. And we'll have something up on the Tigers and after the minor league season goes and things calm down with this, the Red Wings as they build up, the Pistons, all that stuff. And uh, this gives me a chance, Evan, and I appreciate you doing this with me uh, to get into a little more detail about things. You know, Evan can kind of probe uh, questions that you all have out there. And unlike during my shows, uh, I have the time man, to right. go over some of these things and discuss it. So if you got questions, uh, let me know. And of course, I'm getting a lot of calls asking me to over and unders and things like that. Heck, you know, I can make some uh, predictions for you, help you with your bets. Nah, I'm just kidding. I love it. But anyway, I've been appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.